Well, hi, Christina. Hello, Adam. Here we are. Oh, man. This we, is exciting. This is really exciting. This is the, the first episode, the pilot, one might say. Inaugural. The inaugural of the New York Mystery Machine. Come on board. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. <laughs> um, I, I lovingly took um, the New York Mystery Machine by just taking the Mystery Machine from Scooby-Doo and putting a New York in there. Right. And I, having lived under a rock for most of my life, never really watched Scooby-Doo, though I get the reference, and assumed when I heard New York Mystery Machine, we were actually talking about Tammany Hall, and that that was the, yeah, that that was was the, the joke. Yeah, that was <clears throat> my favorite thing ever, because that was the first thing you said to me. You're like, oh, I love that, because... The, the, Tammany the, Hall! The political machine, I, I, I love this. And I'm like, oh, I was thinking, like, Scooby-Doo, <laughs> but that works, too. I love double things. And then, like... You know, I had the, I had the, the, I've been wanting to do the show for forever. Like I've been wanting to, I've told so many people that like, I, I love uh, murder mystery. I love the paranormal. I love all that stuff. And maybe even more than all that, I love New York. Yeah. We're, we're both born and raised New Yorkers. Yes, we are. And I'm from Queens though. The better borough. No. Yes, you're right. It's so good. That was Think not- of all the great things. It's the most ethnically and linguistically diverse spot on the planet. You're I, right, Christina. I let I let that dead air exist. So I can so you can feel the cold stare. No, I'm feeling the warmth of everyone who recognizes Here, how right I am. Here's the thing, everyone. I will not say one's better than the other because this is a New York mm-hmm. podcast. And so for the purposes of this show, all the boroughs. And all the towns and all the everywhere in New York, not just a city, the state of New York, they're all equal. They're all equal. New York City is the the king. But, you know, it's all equal. They're all valuable because we're going to take a trip and learn so much about all these places because this state has so many mysteries that need to be solved. This state has so many paranormal stuff that needs to be investigated. Fucking haunted. It's haunted. Are we cursing on the show? It's too late. You already did. Okay. That's our first F-bomb. You hit it. You're this welcome. is your first podcast. This is my first podcast. I've been on your podcast, but this is the first time that I'm like doing the thing and it's terrifying. Well, let's tell the listeners about ourselves a little bit. Tell us about it, about who Christina is. Christina is a museum educator um, uh, and I come from a long line of people who have either experiences with the paranormal. Um, by way of example, my grandmother uh, on a trip to Bermuda took my mom and aunt down to the beach specifically at night to look for UFOs. Um, as one does. As one does. Uh, you know, I would describe myself on the Mulder to Scully scale as somewhere between a Reyes and a Doggett. So I I think I more believe in some things because it's more fun to, as opposed to like die hard. Yes. Every, you know, I don't know. But yeah, so somewhere between a Reyes and a Doggett. That's fair. And where do you fall? I don't know. Do you wait? Have we? Mm. I watch X Files. Okay, I, thank God. I, but I, I'm not like oh. I would not like watch it enough to be like using all the verbiage that you use. I've watched it before. We're gonna fix this. I I intend to make the Mulder Scully scale a, a thing. So now I'm, I'm more determined. Trademark. Trademark. Marinelli. Um. So you you have a great you know you, you have you work at an amazing museum here in in what what borough by the way is your museum that you work at 
You know, it's in Brooklyn, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Triple checking the place of your employment. It's in, it's in Brooklyn. Um, so, yeah. And so I'm so happy that you, you, you're you on this journey with me. Like I said before, I've wanted this podcast for so long. I've been looking for the right partner to do it with. Um, this is my third podcast. Uh, I, I host the Talk Back with Adam Mace, which has been running for the last three years. Uh, I, I co-host turnbuckle podcast with my amazing partner sam mckelvey um where we investigate um uh, uh political socio phenomena through the lens of of professional wrestling and now i'm working on the the fabulous new york mystery machine because you know i've always said that um for years i in, in my other other life in addition to podcasting i'm a playwright and a director um like I said, I'm born and raised in New York. I love New York. I love this city. It's it's my home. It's my favorite place to be. And so often, I've been always looking for a way to um, write a play that would be my love letter to New York. And I realized that recently in my life that I've been looking in the wrong forms for the things I want to accomplish. Mm. And um, I think this podcast will be my love letter to New York. Oh, I love that. Yeah, me too. So I'm so excited to 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 journey though with you. And every week. Every Monday, we're going to come at you with a new New York mystery um, from all over this amazing state. A lot of them are New York City, but, you know, we're going to head out to Long Island. We're heading out upstate. We're going to the burbs everywhere. We're going to try to cover as much ground as we can to give you a, a full sense of New York and the crazy paranormal stuff that happens in this amazing state. All the places you can get murdered. And, you know, if you're a listener to the show, you may be someone who lives in New York. You may be someone who lived in New York, or you may be someone who has visited New York or may want to visit New York. Wherever you are, whoever you are, we're happy that you found us because we're excited to be to be doing this. Very much so. It really brings together my love of the paranormal, which I've always been fascinated with. I have a trillion ghost stories, which will- I was going to say, what is your relationship to the paranormal? I, if you won't rank yourself on the trademarked Mulder to Scully scale- what I've is your relationship been, with I've paranormal? I've been I've been fascinated by paranormal for so many years. Uh, I've had I've had a lot of uh, of experiences um, with what I would I I would define as ghosts, mm-hmm. um, and that's fascinating because I, I I do very much believe in ghosts in, in some form. I've gone on opportunity to 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 do some EVP work and some some ghost finding. I've done that in my oh, life. Oh, man. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of that stuff along the way as well. Um, and, you know, I have just always been fascinated by um, all of these things and over, you know, more so what may what draws me to this podcast and what may draw you to this podcast, uh, listener, is if you like mysteries and you like the strange and the the occult and the, the paranormal and all those strange things, because we're going to cover it all. The goal is that... We, we cover them all and we give you a full sense of all of the the strange things that happen in the state. I can, as a very Italian Catholic, I can already hear my mother going, the occult, you're no, going to bring that home with you. I promise br- I no, won't. we're not going to bring it home with us. No. I, I don't, don't want it. I don't want Stay it. Stay away from me, occult. <laughs> I don't want you coming with I wanna me. I want to sleep at night. I want to sleep at night. Um, before we begin, I do want to say some thank yous. We didn't, I, I think it's, you found us, folks. And when you did, you clicked on our show and that logo, which is my favorite artwork in the history of artwork. Beautiful. It was created by the incredible Nick Camia. Uh, you can find him on on the Instagram at uh, Extra Cooler. And he did he designed the amazing logo. Basically, it's Scooby-Doo. But instead of, you know, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo and whatnot, 
It's me, it's Christina, and it's my amazing little creature, Ted Word. Ted! On uh, Ted Word. And um, so I'm so grateful to Nick for his work, and I'm grateful. The, the person I always go to whenever I need some sort of music, my one of my best friends in the world, Andy Colopy, composed and created the the opening theme. Thank you, Andy. And um, I was like, um, I really wanted something cool and creepy. And I said, the only rules are there needs to be a theremin. And so that, so that's it. And so um, for our first episode, Christina, I thought we should go back in time of our young nation and our young state um bringing us back to the year 1799 very good year well in theory who knows not for some people though oh for some people it wasn't a good year it wasn't it was not because this is the story of the murder at manhattan well and the trial a levy weeks marking the first ever murder trial in the history of the United States of America. I know. Starting in hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> Murder. So let's uh, situate ourselves. Because we're going to use the word the well. And Manhattan well a bunch. So Manhattan well. It was located in Lispinard Meadows. Which is located in today's Soho. Near the intersection of Green and Spring Street. Hmm. Um, great shopping. Great. Well Yes. And that'll be a piece of the story much later on. Um, but the cool thing about this podcast, which we appreciate the most, is that a lot of these places we're going to talk about, you can just go to today. If you live in New York, you can just walk on to the walk on to the uh, come on down, come on down and, and, and find. So um, so that's where we are. And our story begins with a young woman named Guglielma Sands. Guglielma. Um, her friends and family called her Elma. And because um, I consider my myself friends and family with her now, yeah. we're going to call her Elma too this entire time. So Elma was this 22-year-old who lived with her cousin Catherine Ring on Greenwich Street, not too far from, from the well. Catherine and her husband Elias were Quakers and they ran a boarding house. And in July 1799, a young carpenter named Levy Weeks moved in. Now, within a few weeks, people started noticing that Levy and Elma were sneaking around a bit. They're walking around a bit. We found mm. out that Elma's bedroom door was locked quite a bit. With him inside. So, so says the rumors from the boarding house. Scandalous. You want to talk about scandal? Yeah, I'll tell you about scandal. People in the boarding house reported seeing piles of clothing around the entire boarding house in most random places. So, so they just took their clothing off and then ran through the boarding house naked to go have sex. Um, yes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, interesting. That's, but a weird thing. It's they, a choice they made. <laughs> so sometimes they would find clothes in these weird places and presumably be having sex nearby, or they would just be so like in the mood that they'd be tearing clothes off and find their way to Elma's room and then Elma would shut the door and lock it, which was pretty scandalous too because she's a 22-year-old woman. Yeah. It's 1799. You don't do that. She's unmarried. Mm-mm. She has her door locked with another man inside. This is like all the scandal all the time. Sometimes people would pass by Elma's door 
people who lived in the boarding house and hear all of the sex sounds. Wow. There's like no way of like, I was like, how am I going to say this? Say this bit of information. There's no real way of saying it except for all the sex sounds. I want to know how someone in 1799 would say that. I want to know how someone in 1799 would allude in this very euphemistic way to, and then I heard the sounds of passions. <laughs> I heard a passion. I heard cries. <laughs> I don't know how someone in the 1790, late 1700s would be like, oh, your girl, she getting, she getting good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they would say that. Um, now, with all the sex and whatnot, mm. you'd think that the two of them were happy and mm-hmm. in like bliss. Mm-hmm. But that apparently wasn't the case. Uh, Elma was often quite ill. In fact, um, most of the time she seemed depressed. She would confide in her cousin that she wished she was dead sometimes. Oh. She even told her cousin that she was toying with the idea of overdosing on laudanum. 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 I gotta tell you folks, listening wherever you are, um, every time I've said that word, I don't know if I say it correctly, so I wasn't, I, I, I don't know. The, the Google says it's lao da num. Lao da num. It's very Latin. But I don't know. So what's lao da num, you ask? I'll answer it for you. Um, so basically, it's an alcoholic solution containing morphine prepared from opium and formerly used as a narcotic painkiller. Oh, you know what's fun? Laudate does mean... Praise. Praise and like joy. So that kind of makes sense. Laudo laudare, to praise. Look at you. I took three years of Latin. Did you? I did. Oh, we can be Latin buddies. So every now and then, I knew a Latin word or two. (laughs) Now, some people also say that the the issues of happiness and bliss weren't just lying on Elma's shoulders either. Um... Residents of the boarding house would often say that they would run into Levy and he would be erratic, angry, shouting at them. Um, So his behavior was pretty crazy as well. Hmm. Now, there was a rumor that perhaps Elma had become pregnant and lost the baby. Um, That there's no evidence for that. And you're going to hear a lot in the story, Christina, a lot of talk of was Elma pregnant? Was she pregnant? Did she have a baby? And there's what happens when you lock yourself in a room with a strange man. Yeah. The only thing we know for sure is when her body is found. Uh oh, spoiler. <laughs> oh, um, no. She um, dies. She dies. Um, when her body's found, there is um there's no baby in it. So that's that. Could they tell I guess I guess they couldn't tell if she ever had a baby. Yeah, I mean there's there's no telling. It of is it. 1799. So um one winter evening, she does tell her cousin some wonderful news. She says that her and Weeks are getting married. She told Catherine that the wedding would be Sunday evening, December 22nd. And for a day or two, she seemed in good spirits. You know, she was preparing to get married. Um, now, the whole thing was supposed to be a secret. And we find out later that Levy didn't know that Catherine knew. Mm. It was supposed to be, you know top secret stuff and you know Elma tells her cousin which you would do like you have one person to confide in your life right, right. you tell your cousin who you live with hey I'm living our game married right bim bing bang boom huh um so this wasn't gonna be a big old wedding this could be an elope easy peasy right. two of them just as the peace much eat, cheaper cheap 
Uh, no fuss. Um, now, no one witnesses Sands and Weeks leave the house together. It's assumed that they had. Um, there are a few counts that Sands was upstairs uh, getting dressed and Weeks was by the front door. And some people claim to have heard someone come down the stairs and then hear whispers by the door, which had opened and then immediately closed. Mm. Regardless of all of that information, the evening of Sunday, December 22nd arrived, and this would be the last time anyone would see Elma alive. <gasps> but that's not the last time someone sees her alive. There is one uh, additional story that we hear. Mm-hmm. Um, Elma's friend, Catherine, who is a neighbor of, of her and Levy, says that she later sees Elma in a crowd on Greenwich Street and she goes to speak with her. But someone tells Elma, quote, let's go. And Sands says goodbye and moves on. We don't really know who the someone is. We could okay. assume it's Levy. However, um, Catherine would later, in 1800, uh, go on the stand at the trial and say this in her testimony. Quote, about a half hour or less after I saw Elma, I heard from the field behind the hill at Lipsonards a cry in a woman's voice uh, saying, murder, murder, oh, save me. Ooh. Yeah. So she sees Elma. Then about a half an hour or so later, she hears someone, doesn't say it's Elma's voice, right. someone screaming murder. Additionally, Arnetta Van Norden, who lived about 100 yards from the well, testified. She says, quote, we live about halfway from Broadway to the well. About eight or nine o'clock in the evening, my husband heard noise and he stood up and observed it was from the well. Mm-hmm. Then... I looked through the window and we heard a woman cry out towards the well, Lord have mercy on me, Lord help me. Ooh. Gets a little more strange. Folks also report that they see a one horse sleigh with a dark horse and no bells traveling away from the area. The description of this vehicle matches the appearance of one belonging to Ezra Weeks. Levy's wealthy older brother. Okay, but that does sound very generic. That sounds like everybody and their mother probably had a one-horse sleigh with no bells. And- exactly. I feel the same way. You know, it's it's seventeen ninety nine. It's on. the winter. Like it's not uncommon to have a horse and a sleigh. However, witnesses would later swear they saw Ezra's sleigh leaving his premises that evening. Others would say that they saw the sleigh in the vicinity of the well containing two men and a woman, all who were laughing loudly. Hmm. No positive identification who these persons were were ever made. So sounds like Elma. So one account says that, you know, we see Ezra leaving his house with his sleigh. Another one says that that same sleigh is spotted at the well. Mm -hmm. And another person says that in a sleigh that looks like this sleigh, there's two men and a woman. Right. In theory could be Levy, Ezra, and Elma. Right. So later that evening, Weeks returns to the boarding house alone, and he begins to ask where Elma was. Catherine is confused. She, this is the cousin Catherine? Cousin Catherine. Thank cousin you for Catherine. the clarification. The cousin Catherine, not Catherine Lyon, the friend. Cousin Catherine, Catherine Ring, uh, was confused because... You know, she's like, I thought you were together. I thought you were eloping. Right. This news did not sit well with Levy, who became very enraged that Catherine even knew about the eloping. It was supposed to be a secret. And it turns out Elma tells Catherine, which we heard before. Right. And Levy is very annoyed that she knew. 
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would get it if, like, he was annoyed and Elmo was still with him. But, like, it's weird. I don't know. That's weird. That sounds like he could have lured her out with the promise of getting married. And I was like, oh, I can't find Elmo. Yeah. Well, a few days after Elma vanishes, a boy drawing water from the Manhattan well in Lisbonard's Meadow, which again, today's Spring Street, finds the muff she had been wearing. What's a muff, Christina? A muff? A muff, I know this. A muff is like a, f- a piece of furry warmth that is <laughs> Furry <in a> warmth? <laughs> Please don't describe it as furry wool. It is furry. It's you know, it's, it's, it's like furry wool. You know, it's 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 a fur that is that is circular, and you stick your hands inside. And I know this because my I made my mom turn one of my furry scarves when I was like four into a muff because I wanted to be like a Victorian lady, which at four I thought was the height of fashion. That's fair. In any case, a couple few days later, little boy. You know, it's always a boy in a well, too, honestly. The boy didn't fall in the well. Was well, the no, fair. But, like, every time in, like, archaeology, they're like, and then they found an entire city completely untouched by time underneath. It's because, like, a boy or a goat fell in a well. A boy or a goat. It's either one. It's, sometimes it's both. A goat fell in the well. Or a donkey. Goats and donkeys and boys. Always in wells. That says a lot about boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's either a goat, a donkey, or a boy. One of those three. One of those three, consistently. Well, check this out. So they find the muff, and it's not until 11 full days later, so a few days later, mm-hmm. we find the muff. So roughly eight days after that, it's not until then that Elias Ring, mm-hmm. um, her brother-in-law, and some of his friends search the well with poles to find Elma's body. Well, that's weird. Why would you... Why would... You find a muff in a well, and then you don't go send someone to be like, I wonder if there's anything else down there. Yeah. I mean, also, are they searching for Elma's body already? Like, she's right. missing Levin. Or they just no- like, Mah. Yeah, here's the, here's the interesting part of all of it. There's there's no accounts of any real search. Like, Levy doesn't lead a search. Catherine and, and, and Elias don't read a search. No one is, no one has had, Lois launched, we're assuming searches were right. made. But um, no one knows where she is. Um, 11 days later, we find out she's in the well. Her body is covered with marks, bruises. There's a heavy marking around her neck, Mm -hmm. um, suggesting strangulation. And um, with that, rumors start flying all around New York. The newspapers call it the Manhattan Well Murder. (laughs) And speculation begins. Now, Elma's parents, who we haven't really heard she from. Parents? She has parents, apparently. I was like, oh, Elma must be an orphan. And right, then, that's what I assumed. And then I found, and you you do some research, and you're like, her parents are also, Elma's parents do exist, just didn't live huh. with her. Um, they decide to put her corpse on display outside the boarding house to encourage outrage and conjecture. Dramatic. Ballsy. She's like, we want answers. Who killed my kid? Also, not to be super macabre about this, but when you think about it. Oh, it's macabre. No, that's macabre in and of itself. And then think about it, because I don't know. What was embalming practice like in 1799, 1800? That's got to be. How long was she outside? Like, she's already been in a well for 11 11 days. days. And now she's put outside the building. Like, that's. Ooh. Yeah. God. It's kind of gross but they Ugh. want answers they want to know who did it right um and there's kind of only one person who everyone's pointing at 
Do you know who that is? Can I take a guess? Hit me. I'm going to get his name right. Levy Weeks. Levy Weeks. Everyone is thinking it's Levy Weeks. And there's rumors going everywhere. People think that Levy impregnated Elma before killing her, which again, didn't happen. When they get the body, Elma has no signs of pregnation, impregnation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's rumors. And people are slaying Levy in the court of public opinion. Yeah. It is It is bad. So with that, on March 31st, 1800, we would see the beginning of the first murder trial in the history of the United States of America. It's amazing that it got it went that long before there was a murder trial. Yeah, probably plenty, plenty of murders, just just no, no trials. And we're gonna talk all about this famous murder trial <gasps> after the break. We are back, and um, last we last we we heard um, Emma's body was found eleven days after her murders. So roughly two months later, uh, March thirty first, eighteen hundred, Levy Weeks was tried for murder. Again, it's the first murder trial in American history. Weeks was essentially the enemy of the public at this point. Mm-hmm. It's been months. Everyone points at Levy. You are the person who did this. You had the reasons. You have this and that. And those reasons, we don't know. We didn't really find out what would be his motives. Um, There's a lot of theories. There's a lot of thoughts. Um, And in the court of public opinion, he is convicted as the murderer. But, you know, public opinion isn't the law. There has to be a trial. So Weeks has to do what everyone has to do when they go on trial find some law defense Mm. and he wasn't going down easily he promptly lined up some of the city's nay some of the nation's best legal talent to defend him history attorneys brock holst livingston yes who brock holst livingston whom thomas jefferson would later appoint to the u.s supreme court who you know may or may not have a street named after him oh livingston um, this this character that no one's ever heard of named Aaron Burr, who uh, is the former U.S. senator and future vice president, mm-hmm. and this absolute nobody named Alexander Hamilton, who? the former secretary of the Treasury and New York's Federalist leader. Huh. Now, this certainly isn't a, a story about Hamilton and Burr. Uh, I, I honestly, it's not like Hamilton would even be captivating enough story to, to, to tell him. a story about to begin with, yeah. let alone um, speaking out on a podcast. I don't think anyone would do anything with that story no. um, in the realm of theater, God, no. um, film, television, whatever have you. No. Obviously, we're kidding. We know everyone knows Hamilton. Hamilton's a big deal. We know what Hamilton is. But if you know Hamilton the musical, then you may be confused with the year because in the song Nonstop, um, which is roughly around 1782, we hear this trial taking place. Man, the man is nonstop. Gentlemen of the jury, I'm curious. Bear with me. Are you aware that we're making history? This is 
the first murder trial of our brand new nation. The liberty behind deliberation. I intend to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt with my assistant counsel. Co counsel Hamilton, sit down. A client, Larry Weeks, is innocent. Call your first witness. That's all you had to say. Now, in, in, in actuality, it happens in 1800. Obviously, Lin-Manuel Miranda puts this in the year 1782 and that points in the musical to A, help with the storytelling of it, give us a, a sense of the camaraderie and teamwork that Hamilton and Burr do. B, better rhyme scheme. And probably it's a better rhyme scheme. Um, but um, this team uh, of Livingston, Hamilton, and Burr is an all-star team and costs an all-star team's price. Oh. They are the most expensive law lawyers you can get in the country, basically. How does a carpenter living in a boarding house afford that? Well, he seeks help from his older, wealthy brother, Ezra. Ezra's back, folks, and he is going to pay for this all-star team to represent his brother. So the trial begins, and it takes just two days and runs late into the night, which is pretty odd for a trial. A, yeah. it's a murder trial. A murder trial. A murder? And it takes just two days. Um, and also the times are really weird. It goes late at night. It's super odd. The prosecutor was future New York mayor and congressman Cadwallader Calden. I, I promise I, I want to say these names better, but it's Cadwallader Calden. Yeah, that's it. I can't say it any better than that. C-A-D-W-A-L-L-A-D-E-R Calden. Oh, that's all one name? Yeah, Codwalder Codwalder Calden is one name. Codwalder Calden. Caldwalder. Wow. Well, Calden, he has to rely on circumstantial evidence to try to prove that Weeks had had means, motive, and opportunity to murder Sands. He puts on witnesses to show that Weeks and Sands had a sexual relationship. He had promised to marry her, that he had left the boarding house with her that night that she was killed, that he's the last person who sees her alive. Um, and that his brother Slay had been the one identified at the crime scene. Mm -hmm. However, he couldn't produce any evidence to directly support any of these things. It's all unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, everything he he brings the trial is quickly brought down by reasonable doubt because there's literally no physical evidence except for a few eyewitnesses. Who, who say it, but there's actually no person who says, I saw Levy Weeks murder, um, murder right. Elma. Uh, and that's all real terrible news because the defense, they slay it. Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr highlight that the possibility Elma may have been a Ladownum addict. Mm -hmm. Remember Ladownum? I couldn't pronounce it before, can't pronounce it now. The Latin drug? Latin drug. Uh, they argue that Perhaps she couldn't have made it to the well by herself, um, but there's no there's no room to say that Weeks is the one who accompanied, accompanied her to the well. Right. Um, they questioned all the men in her life. They questioned her physical condition. They questioned her mental capacity. They mm. reported that she wasn't pregnant. They also talked about the reports of her depression and her mental condition. Mm. They made Catherine talk about her cousin. They made her talk about her mental condition and speak about how she talked about perhaps killing herself right. by ODing. So all of this stuff is building against her. And the testimony ends about two o'clock in the morning. Burr gives the final the final uh, address mm -hmm. and he reads to the jury the the these pages from Hale's plea of the crown. Now do you have any idea what that is? Isn't that the um it's a it's a treatise on like laws in England um in the the I think it was written in the late 
1600s, early 1700s? Yeah, basically it's, you know, laws and how, how things are processed. And a lot of lawyers and judges obviously take this over to America. America is only, it's only 1800s, right? right? So we're like barely a country. So of course, a lot of our practice are coming from English law. Right. So he reads um, a full couple pages, but I'm just going to read the first paragraph of what he says. And okay. honestly, geez, it, it, it does the whole, it does the trick. Quote, in some cases, presumptive evidences go far to prove a person guilty, though there be no express proof of the fact to be committed by him. But then it must be very warily pressed, for it is better five guilty persons should escape unpunishment than one innocent person should die. Here, here. There's no evidence. They have nothing to really offer in terms of real tangible proof that levy is the one who does it right so with that um the the judge so with that chief judge john lansing who himself sidebar would disappear mysteriously from new york one night 30 years later oh i know in a future episode in any case judge lansing uh, basically instructs the jury that the case against Levy Weeks was purely circumstantial. He didn't give, doesn't give a verdict yet. Let the jury go do the thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, didn't take too much time. Takes about five minutes. And the jury overwhelmingly says that they find Levy Weeks to be not guilty for the murder of wow. Elma Sands. Wow. I... Mm. What are you what, feeling? You have things. I have mind. feelings. I have feelings. I'm conflicted. I kind of think he did it because, okay, Brother Slay, even though it looks like everybody else is slay in New York, but everyone's really sure they saw this slay. Fine. If Levy thought, like, what is his motive, right? If he thought Elma was pregnant and he was like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, no, no, you know, no. Then, then perhaps that's why he, he murders her. Perhaps if they thought she was pregnant, you know, Ezra does not want his wealth going to supporting the laudanum addict Elma and her child. Uh, other thought, though, I kind of feel suspicious about the cousin-in-law, mm. Elias. Keep That's calling him. him Elias in my head. His name's Elias. Elias, okay, because... I can see this being a family honor thing. So really, I think that's the only motive here. But he could hear the plan of marriage from Catherine, who does not keep her cousin's confidence. And he doesn't search the well. Like, that's kind of weird, right? Where, where We don't know where Elma is. Oh, my God, where is Elma? They would probably talk to Catherine, right? The, the the friend Catherine and friend Catherine's going to be like, well, I saw her leaving and then I heard screaming and you wouldn't go, hmm, that's weird. Screaming and a missing person. So why does he wait so damn long to search the well? I think it might be the cousin-in-law unless they're all in cahoots and what we really have is a conspiracy to murder. Yeah, I mean, you know, and all these people do, do you know, you know, go, go to the trial and they all give testimony they all testify at the trial and for the most part they're all basically in support that it's levy who does it um well, you know, of course they, elias is gonna say that when he's the one who did the deed 
Um, even Ezra is goes to the trial and has to testify. Well, he doesn't want to go to jail for what he's done. And basically, he gives his whole alibi of how um, he 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 wasn't there and all that jazz. So, um, what do you think happened? Do you what? How do you how do you feel about that? Well, here's well here's the thing. You know, when you think about you know what happens to Levy after the trial's over, he is a hated man in New York. Mm. Um. Regardless of what people said, or what, the, what the jury says, he's guilty in their eyes still. There's no other right. person who could, there's no motive for anyone else to do it in their eyes, but there's maybe motive for him. I don't see the motive at all. I don't right. know what the motive is. There's no money involved. Um, but, you know, perhaps maybe, well, there's anger and there's those issues, the erratic mm-hmm. behavior. However, what happens to Levy is he leaves New York. Mm-hmm. He ends up um, settling in Natchez, Mississippi, where he becomes yeah. a well-respected architect and builder. Yeah. He marries Anne Greenleaf That's in Natchez. That's a great name. I know. And they have four children. And there's no future, um, there's no future stories about him. There's no erratic behavior um, hmm. said from from this post trial life his you know his his kids and 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 whatnot you know they all grow up and he dies uh in in that same town in 1819 at the age of 43 so about 19 years later he passes away and, and his wife never went mysteriously missing or you know was people in the tent okay hmm. no hmm. none of that none of that at all crazy yeah it's um you know to say that it's an unsolved mystery, it's it's quite quite the unsolved mystery. It's not. I solved it. It's Elias. Well, sure. I mean, here's the thing, you know, and and on this show, so often we're going to have these 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 opportunities to talk about who did it and who didn't do. There are mysteries, and so it gives an opportunity to talk about what we think. I think that there's a fifty percent chance that he did do it, and a fifty percent he didn't. He didn't do. I don't see the motive, but then again. I don't. I don't know. I don't know their their life. I don't know their choices. You don't know them. <laughs> I know. So, I know you're asking, um, what of Elma? Yeah. What, what of, of Elma? our life? Well, again, the murder goes unsolved even to today. Um, and how about that well? How about the famous Manhattan well that they find Elma's body in? Now, yeah. Here's, here's the interesting thing about that well. It was a pretty new well. It was. Only, it was a new well. Yeah. It was built only a few years before the the incident happened. Wow. Well, in the 1820s, upper middle class houses were built over the property, and those houses would seal the well into a basement of one of those buildings. Okay. And because now it's sealed into a basement, it gets its own address. So it, <laughs> the the well ends up being part of a building at 129 Spring Street, which becomes the legal address of it. And um, after that, the location transformed regularly over the years. In the late 1820s, it was a shop which sold remedies for tobacco addiction, then a German beer hall hmm. before it was finally vacated and left abandoned for years. It wasn't until the early 2000s that the well, uh, hidden under 129 Spring Street, would be featured in headlines again. Um, the Manhattan Bistro decided they needed more storage for their restaurant. So they chose to uh, excavate the cellar, unearthing the well that had been hidden there for nearly 200 years. Wow. According to the owners, it, the well had such an eerie presence when they found it. Well, obviously, you don't build over murder sites. Well, they didn't know it was a murder site. They just saw this well. Was this a, well no, not them. I mean, the original 1820s middle class housing people. Oh, yeah, they built over it. They're like, hey, some dead lady was found here. Let's put a house there. That sounds great. It's New York, Christina. Do you know how many dead people we've built over? 
So many. Like all of everywhere. them. Everywhere. It's you really upsetting. Your, you probably walked over a dead body. That's true. Entirely. Very- I don't approve of it. I can still say that they were stupid. Yeah. Um, and and what was most eerie about it was when they found this in, in, in the early 2000s, the well hadn't aged. Like it was super preserved. I guess that kind of makes sense yeah. if you have like a building like taking care of it by like weird. Yeah. That's weird. It's a little weird. Um, well, as most murders come, mm. the other things that come with those murders. Ghosts. Ghosts. So folks have reported seeing ghostly apparitions in the area, uh, on and around the street, actually. It's not just in the actual uh, buildings, but around Spring and Green. Um, people have reported that they heard Elma screaming in the area for Ooh. her life, pleading for her life. Oh, that's terrible. And most recently... Um, because you'll find what's there now. Because I know you're asking, hey, can I go see this well? Right. I hear it's there. I'd like to do an EVP session. Well, you can find it at COS, COS, capital C-O-S, which is an H&M sister company. Oh. It's basically um, built into the retail shop. So can I walk in and be like, I'm really not interested in your clothes, but I would like to see your well. I, I, I'm I here to see a man about a well. Well, they've preserved it. It's behind some sort of like glass situation. You can go and visit it. And a lot of the employees of the of the shop have claimed uh, and blamed strange occurrences in the store on the ghost of Elma, holding her responsible for missing merchandise, broken elevators, and various electrical shortages. Looking for her lost muff. Looking for the lost muff. And, and maybe blaming blaming Levy for a minute, or maybe trying to defend Levy who didn't murder her because she knows very well that it was Elias but a lot of the creepy stuff that was happening happening <laughs> um, may not be the doing of Elma who is it? well many blame Elma's cousin Catherine for the strange occurrences because if you look at the transcripts following the ruling um, these read that Catherine had cursed the room, shouting, quote, I call upon the Almighty to curse you all, and he will do it. Oh, man. And so, again, if you travel today to 129 Spring Street, you can see the haunted well. You have to go through a retail shop to do it. Um, but it remains unnervingly perfect in their basement. I love the vision of Catherine. It's like that kerfuffle, like the order in the court moment where she jumps up and shouts at everyone yeah I think the whole thing is such an interesting it's an interesting thing like you had said earlier too it takes this many years for the first trial for murder in our country and the first murder trial the person gets off I mean which rightly so I do America (laughs) it will dictate the rest of the country's history fascinating I mean I do think that the, the, the jury made the right call that's not enough evidence yeah, it's a reasonable doubt situation. Yes. When there's no evidence. And if Levy did it, kudos to him. He found a way of doing it with no evidence. Right. Um, if he didn't do it, good. He, he didn't go to jail. Then he shouldn't, yeah. He, um, but I don't, you know, it's it's an unsolved mer- mystery, an unsolved murder. Murder? And, um, huh. Well, I, I will be posting on the social media this week some of the some of the, the images. Um, I'm also I, I, you can I found the transcript of the trial <gasps> literally on Google, um, so you can see a lot of other things that the Burr Hamilton. If you are if you are Hamill fans, 
Um, this is some gold for y'all. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can link that as well Amazing. on ourself. I'll put it in the show notes. And um, yeah, and you'll, you'll be able to see the well uh, preserved. If you are in New York, you can head on down there anytime you like. Well, not anytime. It has to be the shop has to be open. Well, fair. Uh, I assume, though, it isn't quite annoying for people in, in, who work there. Like, yeah, you hear about the well. Go the well. <laughs> Do you want to buy a blouse? No, no, great, no, just great. just the well, please. I would, I would charge people. Like, you have to, you have to buy a blouse, <laughs> buy a skirt or some pants to see the well. I guess that's no. I refuse. No, you cannot have capitalism intrude <laughs> on my ability to hunt a ghost. If you want to to give your theories about what happened, you know what you should do. You hit us up on the social medias. You hit us up on those social medias. You know where you can find us? Where can you find us? At New York Mystery Machine on Instagram and on the Facebook. What about Twitter? Not that because <laughs> New York Mystery Machine is too big. So Very just long. at New York Mysteries on the Twitter. Um, and if you have some theories Tell that us. you'd like us to talk about in future shows, we may review those. You can let us know those by either hitting us up on social media or by emailing us at New York Mystery Machine at gmail.com and um and if you like the best thing you can do to support the show you can head on over to our itunes page yep. you can subscribe you can give us five stars no four stars what's the point just give us five stars five stars are nothing keep the rest to yourself well not nothing give us something um give us five stars and then give us some words tell us tell us what you like tell us what you want to see more of tell us your opinion write it all down on the itunes um because you know those matter um they really they go to help uh, keep the show alive keep us going keep us on the charts as they say in the biz and if enough of you do this maybe we'll recreate uh, the scene the, the, the dramatic closing remarks for you Ooh! but you have to do the thing yeah and maybe because you know we are developing a little bit of a Patreon so we can like get some new equipment for this show um, maybe that'll be a bonus you yeah. can get to hear some either us or our more talented actor friends uh, recite the closing remarks. Right. That would be a really yes. cool thing. We're going to do a lot of these cool things. There's going to be, um, there's going to be opportunities to perhaps go tour some of these things with us. EVP sessions. A lot of cool stuff we're doing because this is a really cool New York based uh, experience. So if you are in New York, um, you'll be able to do these things. If you're not in New York, maybe you want to take a, the world's opening again. Right. So you can come on down. If you're not in New York, why aren't you in New York? Well, a lot of reasons probably. <laughs> well, we're excited. Next week, we have another place that you can actually, again, go visit. I'm so excited to get into that. Um, thanks for joining us, Christine. Thanks for, for being doing this with me. I'm excited. This is so great. Thank you for having me. Well, let's wrap this up and send these people home. Okay. I've been Christina Marinelli, and I'll be next time as well. <laughs> I'm Adam Mason. Thanks for coming on board the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall for Ghosts.